Hi everyone, this is Corina and Angel. Welcome to The Human Show, proudly presented and supported by worldpodcast.com. Here we explore the relationships between people, technology and business. Join us on this journey where we interview anthropologists, other researchers and industry people from all over the world, from India to Kenya, US, Europe, to right back here in New Zealand. Hi friends, in today's episode we are talking to Pardis Shafafi, convener of the Applied Anthropology Network and the lead coordinator for the Why the World Needs Anthropology 2019 conference. We talked to Pardis about the organization of the conference, the reasons behind choosing the core themes and the challenges involved in making it all happen. This year's theme, Sustaining Cities, which will bring together industry representatives and academics to challenge each other to hopefully become better in their practice. How the organizing team plans and hosts this space of togetherness. At the end, Pardis gives some practical advice to the conference attendees. We hope you enjoy it. Hi friends, we are here today with Pardis, uh, the lead coordinator for the Why the World Needs Anthropology um, conference happening in Oslo. Hi Pardis. Hi. I'm really excited. It's like uh, my, my second year in, um, in a row doing this um, and um, I'm very excited to speak about the event with you and um, to share more about it with our listeners. So, but before we go into the event, maybe you can um, talk a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, so my name is Paris. Uh, I am, uh, I'd say, maybe an applied anthropologist, but also anthropology practitioner, as mm-hmm. I've heard being used, which I think is also a cool way to describe it. Uh, I have a background in social anthropology. I got my PhD from St. Andrews in 2015. I specialize in uh, the anthropology of violence and especially political themes mm-hmm. uh, connected to that, uh, but also kind of my practical experience uh, with anthropology outside of academia uh, has been from uh, healthcare. I mean, I trained as a nurse before I uh, kind of entered anthropology and I worked in the humanitarian sector where I was uh, an arms and violence advisor for the Red Cross. Um, yeah, and now I'm a design researcher with Designit, which is a global strategic design firm. Uh, and I live in Oslo, so I'm with the Oslo office. Nice. How, how did you end up with a crew at, at Why the World is Anthropology? Well, that's, a, that's actually a fun story, I guess. Uh, last year, Designit was sponsoring the event. Uh, so we went to Lisbon. I took a bunch of my colleagues there, uh, designers who were also interested in research, which meant that they were kind of naturally interested in anthropology since design research borrows a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Borrows is a very kind way of putting it from uh, anthropology. <laughs> Uh, so, so I went there with, uh, I think there were six or seven of us, uh, really interested because I didn't know what the event was, uh, but I knew who the network were. And I thought, oh, this is really interesting. And while we were kind of making the arrangements as sponsors for the mm-hmm. event last year, um, I found out that there's a call for conveners since Dan, who's the founder of the uh, network. And I mean, if you know him, he's kind of the czar of, uh, of why the world needs anthropologists. Uh, he was stepping down, so there was uh, an opening. Uh, and so I decided to apply to become a convener. I thought this could be a really, really interesting sphere of work uh, to develop these kind of themes, uh, especially since I'm, I've been working at the intersections of anthropology and you know, other uh, in terms of industry for many, many years now. 
So I applied and I was elected along with Laura, who was mm-hmm. last year's lead coordinator, but was outside of the kind of convener circle last year. So I became a very new convener in October. And then in January, I suddenly became lead coordinator of this event. So it's been a really quick uh, <laughs> development so I have to say things move very fast yeah well let me ask you a question that I'm also struggling with um, how, how, how do you manage to find the time to do both like your work in um, in design ed and, and these type of initiatives less sleep I guess I, <laughs> um, I, I have a really good team I have to say also mm-hmm. I mean it, it is a lot of work but The great thing about uh, the Applied Anthropology Network is we're naturally quite open to trying new things and especially new modes of working with regards to the event, which is, you know, this huge thing that happens every year. Mm. Uh, 400 people on average attend every single year and it's done, it's it's hosted by the network who work for free to produce it and trying to make it, you know, as inclusive as possible, um, yeah, for attendees. So, I mean, it's a huge task. And this year I said, hey, how about, you know, we get a bigger team on the ground here that can help with the coordination. And we thought that could be a good idea. So we actually, I mean, we're, we're quite a few people now. It's not just me. Of course, I'm doing the coordination, but we have somebody who's managing production. We have media and comms. We have volunteer management. Hmm. All, I'm sure, listening out there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Without- Yeah, yeah, and, and maybe a, a connected question to that, that that maybe if you want, we can, um, you, you don't have to answer it. But I, I've been struggling myself also with this podcast to kind of find the, the line between, you know, doing this inclusively as a, with a group of volunteer and kind of um, paying for that work somehow with, you know, like I don't, I, how, how are you guys grappling with this? I'm glad you asked because it's, on top of our agenda, the more volunteers we use and the more time we take from people, yeah. we tend to discuss, okay, but how are we incentivizing this for the people who take part? Are we not kind of part of the problem if we continue exactly. to use people's labor for free? Uh, so this year, I mean, we're, as well as the people who are in the organizing committee, some of whom have hours contracted from the university. So the University of Oslo is actually paying them for the time they spend, or at least for some of the time that they spend uh, with the event. We also uh, offer them kind of partnerships. So, for example, Katerina uh, has her own consulting firm mm. uh, called Habeo. Uh, she's also with B Anthropologina. I'm sure. I'm sure I'm butchering that. It's an <laughs> um, Who are basically I mean city anthropologists, and they also they they work on a consultant kind of basis in the city, and. As a result of her input to the event, uh, that her, her initiative is an official partner, basically. So they're buying a partnership into the event. Uh, so it helps their initiative in that sense. Um, oh, wow. So it's like that. Yeah. As as that, that's, that's really interesting. So coming, coming back to this year's event, uh, tell us more about how did you end up with the theme? The theme, I think it was impossible not to uh, actually end up with this kind of theme at this time. I know that the theme preceded me, so mm. it was something that was decided before I joined the network for this year. But it was, 
with an increased focus on the SDGs and uh, responding to very contemporary issues. And I think there, there has been a lot of talk about it, both in the media uh, and in the classrooms that we're mm. engaged in and with our clients if we're working in industry. So looking at sustainability with an urban lens seems yeah. possible not to include. And that's generally how the theme comes about. What are people talking about right now? So we start with the theme and then the theme is kind of connected into different industries that would be relevant to work with. And we usually do that by asking, okay, what are the anthropologists doing within this theme right now? And where could they be right now? And that usually leads us to the different industries that are existing, uh, kind of already working across that intersection. Yeah. And how do you look at the discipline itself uh, when it comes to the connection between the disciplines and these teams? Do you approach it from an anthropological perspective? Is it, is it are there various disciplines that you are opening the doors to to have perspectives? How does that work? Um, I think all of the above somehow. We try and be, we're not very dogmatic when it comes to opening the doors and understanding people-centered approaches. Hmm. We are a little bit dogmatic when it comes to the fact that this event is organized by anthropologists and it's supposed to show specifically what anthropology does a little bit differently within that kind of mm -hmm. centered uh, approach. So we come at it like that. It's like everyone's welcome, but we are going to focus more on anthropology going forward kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So uh, tell me a little bit about the, the speakers. Like how, how, how does that process to choose the ones that you have right now came about? It's kind of, it's a, I think they've, they've also done this before. So it's a, a bit of a, a structure that also preceded me. Um, and what happens is they choose uh, one anthropologist who works on the theme within academia, uh, one anthropologist who works within the theme in industry. And then we look at the industry and we take one uh, industry kind of superstar in academia and one industry superstar in the field. So we try and keep this 50-50 divide on anthropologists and people representing the kind of core industries that the theme crosses over and 50-50 when it comes to academic perspectives and industry perspectives. So that's really how it comes about. So it made sense for us to have, you know, uh, this great speaker from Snohetta this year, for example, that's our like um, big industry superstar uh, mm -hmm. who represents like working out uh, in industry. Uh, and we have uh, Gareth Doherty representing Harvard, mm -hmm. who uh, I'm told also teaches anthropology actually as part of his uh, design kind of course. So, it, I mean, it seemed like a match made in heaven, really. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite an impressive list. Huh? I I can I must confess I I know very little about uh, I knew very little about the speakers before before looking into them, and uh, hopefully we'll manage to find a, a good slot with Morton to um, to re-record our interview because it, it it we didn't manage today, but um, yeah, it's 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 pretty impressive the list. How how do you come about them? How do you uh, find them? Usually, if we can, networks, Yeah, hopefully. We have a great advisory, uh, our, our executive advisory board. I mean, if you look at it, it's glittering with names. Yeah. One wonderful anthropologists who are um, usually there to kind of offer their networks to us as necessary. Um, but more, I mean, as the search kind of goes through, because we, we go through several rounds of looking. I mean, it's a really kind of long process of discussing who should come and how should they come. Mm. Um, so we, we often also end up just sending an email out of the dark to, you know, to one of these superstars and 
crossing our fingers and saying, hey, we have this huge event. Um, we know it seems really niche, but actually it has this nerdy cult following and I include myself in that <laughs> so I'm, I'm one of those nerds but yeah I have these people who follow the event around from place to place mm -hmm. and we have this massive reach so there's obviously some kind of hunger at this intersectional point you know somebody wants this uh, people are coming back and they're not just anthropologists mm -hmm. we have a lot of people who work at the interface of people-centered kind of disciplines uh, plus other yeah. things Yeah, and that seems to be, I think, enough for people to think. Okay, well, this seems quite, uh, quite intriguing. Yeah. What well, What do you think makes it intriguing for them to keep coming back? I think it's because this is not. It's neither an academic event nor mm. a corporate event. Yeah. And I, you'd be surprised how often you either go to one or the other, and how few uh, really truly critical events you have in between. And when I say academic event, I'm talking about like really within those formal confines of, hi, I'm going to turn up and there's going to be uh, an older white man usually giving me a lecture for an hour and maybe three terrified people will ask. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, because there's huge distance and this like massive oh. kind of pomp and circumstance oh. really people yeah. from engaging situation so you know you can have wonderful talks but you won't have any kind of dynamic necessarily mm. I mean I'm not saying it always happens like that but you know in yeah. my experience it's very much like that usually yeah. you have others or other professors kind of engaging more than you have um, yeah people yeah and I people are normal but lay people <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah I have my own uh, I have my own story with this I, I remember my first academic conference in anthropology I, I'm originally from Romania and I'm the first generation that was um grew up after the fall of communism so I had this professor um explaining his thesis on communism in Romania you know so um he kind of explained to me when I was asking a question how I got it all wrong Um, and that I, I, I don't understand uh, my own country. So that, that felt not really, not really good. But uh, it, does, it does trigger the, the things that you mentioned, you know, like um, this type of presentations where there's this distance that is being reinforced. So, okay. yeah, I really like that in, my, in, in Lisbon, that you, you really feel like there is more openness to discussions around these topics rather than just rigid perspectives. Yeah, and I mean, and taking it from the other angle, I mean, corporate events that, okay, maybe they shrink that space and people feel more kind of able to engage. Mm -hmm. They're very rarely critical. Yeah. You know, depending on who's sponsoring, how they're sponsoring, mm -hmm. how the event is set up, it's usually you sit around and you clap and you say, oh, how nice, you know, sustainability, everybody's so good, good job, you know. <laughs> with, with the sponsors and partners we've had this year, I've been very clear with them. You're walking into a den of anthropologists and we're telling them, you know, go, go in. So you should be prepared to get the tough questions. We want that critical discussion And we want it in a way that's, you know, intimate so people can really feel that they can grapple with the issues. And I think that's why people keep coming back. That and, you know, we have really good parties. Also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. Well, that's that's a very interesting topic, huh? like the this intersection between the critical perspectives of social scientists and um, the corporates willing to op to enter into that potential minefield. Huh? Yeah. So do they do they ask for um, I don't know I mean how how does that work are they open to to speak their mind um, I had a I had some challenges myself in that space interviewing people from uh, big corporates and understanding that depending on the company 
they also themselves might not have the possibility to speak up, you know? Um, so how, how, how do you guys navigate that? The, the, the spaces of how much they can speak and how much they can't? Well, I mean, firstly, the kind of, it, it's a bit of a self-selecting sample. So the people mm. coming to this conference are doing it usually because they have something to say in that critical space, you know? Yeah. I, as far as I know, Big Pharma is not, uh, you know, represented. Like, no, represented. they're not pushing down the door to get in. And <laughs> we don't have any big oil tycoons there. You know, like it's it's not. They are not the kind of people who would put themselves maybe in that position or so. Hmm. Who we have are yes, they're actors from the uh, industry, but these are actors who equally want to be in a situation with social scientists where they're a little bit pushed and able to enter a new field and. For them also, it's very exciting. I know my, my colleagues last year, when we came to, when we came to Lisbon, mm. really interested to kind of delve a little bit deeper. So, you know, you're, you've got this great melting pot. It's kind of, yeah. I'm trying to find a less cheesy way to put it, but it's kind of, everybody's entering into a space that's a little bit uncomfortable for them. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody's a little uncomfortable, everybody's also simultaneously kind of okay with it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I know we had, um, I'm also uh, one of the co-organizers of, of a little meetup here of Applied Anthropology in Amsterdam. And um, uh, I think a few months ago, we've had an anthropologist working for Shell um, coming and speak to his work at Shell and the moral dilemmas that he has as an anthropologist working for Shell. So it was uh, kind of like the, the same kind of feeling that you're talking about, like very, very much uncomfortableness from both sides because he was very openly vulnerable with his ethical dilemmas yeah. and, and kind of putting that on the table and asking the group, okay, like, what would you do in my shoes? Like, uh, how can we navigate this space? So it ended up being a really beautiful conversation. Um, yeah. And I myself, I, I work for Transavia, which is an airline company, and I struggle with the moral dilemmas of today's world and sustainability as an anthropologist. Yeah. So it, it can be pretty cool if, if you uh, are up for really challenging that space and, and entering a critical debate. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Do you know already like what type of topics um, the speakers are, are, are going to cover or it's, is it too early for that? Uh, it's it's a little too early for that, but I can I mean I can tell you that there will be I, 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 I've been in touch with a couple of the speakers a little bit about what they're thinking of uh, covering and how they're going to address it and we've been a little I wouldn't say tough but we've we've steered a little bit because we wanted people to as as they're speaking focus on the future a little mm. bit just kind of what they're doing now but also what is there still to be done that's the central question. And we posed that question, was, you know, we don't mind how you approach this topic of, you know, cities and sustainability within the frames of what you do at your workplace. Um, but we want you to end by saying, what is there left to do and how are you contributing to that? And in that sense, we're all getting, you know, we can all end on this note of, okay, so, you know, can we almost like make a list of these critical uh, things to do? Can we hold ourselves accountable to these things? Uh, can we use this as a point of further discussion for next year? You know, it's... Uh, and I, and I hope we can. I really hope we can. Yeah. And I wonder, um, again, coming from my own personal interest, how do anthropologists enter that space of effect? In, in what sense? Well, in the sense that if you talk about, you know, what else is to be done, mm -hmm. um, I mean, my experience, particularly with academic anthropologists, that they, say, they, stay, they stay a lot in the space of what is. Mm. and deconstructing what is and showing what is from multiple perspectives but then moving into the space of well what is there to be done and mm. what are we going to do about it also assumes moving into a different positionality to a certain extent yeah 
I mean, me personally, this is not me representing the network mm. in a sense. I'm here kind of as myself. Yeah. And I happen to be part of the network. But um, as far as I'm concerned, and really like living and working mm. across that line between academic anthropology and industry, I think it's the dose of medicine that anthropology really needs. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm working in design now. I've been working in design for over a year, um, really looking at methods and approaches mm. and and being pushed to say, okay, but now we've analyzed the problem. Now yeah. tell me, how am I going to fix it? Yeah. And I and the most beautiful thing I've seen is the way that, especially design, mm. uh, and I think, that, I mean, designers come to these come to this event every single year. We see it all the time. They're yeah. full of registration lists, UXs, service designers, interaction mm. designers. Why? And the reason is because they are they are living and working at the interface, really, of the world and people. Mm. So they talk to individual people, and then they make things that go out into the world. Yeah. Of course, you know why? Why? Of course, they're interested in talking to anthropologists. Like, why wouldn't they be <laughs> understanding how to do that kind of better? Uh, and for me, putting designers and anthropologists together is it's it's of course it's not always it really depends on your intent, of course, mm. but. Designers give momentum to the critical uh, analysis that anthropologists are capable of doing. So we really, we need someone to push that a yeah. little bit forward. Uh, I think when left to our own devices, it's very often static ideas, uh, static analyses. We talk to each other, we huff and puff and say, oh, isn't it terrible that nobody's listening to us? And, you know, we have our the godfather of our uh, of our network and of EASA, Thomas Helen Erickson, who's just the best ambassador for this because mm. he just said this great quote that I always use really I think almost at every lecture when I when I talk to students of anthropology and he says you know uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here just by the way yeah. you know the, when the world is going to shit and uh, anthropologists are, one, are like one of the best placed uh, uh, disciplines to respond and to provide mm. response to this situation but they're usually busy doing other things uh, and you know, really, like, what the hell are we doing? We're so well placed. We, you know, we're yeah, so yeah. taking part in public debates on critical issues, but we're just not there. Like, we're just yeah. not on that stage. How do we get on that stage? Yeah, yeah. I have the same frustration when it comes to technology and and everything that is going on in our world today with technology, artificial intelligence, privacy, yep. power, all of these things. Um, so yeah, it totally resonates with me. But but coming back to the conference parties. It, as, as participants, um, what type of profile um, are you expecting? You talked a little bit about this, a lot of designers, a lot of anthropologists, and any other type of professionals? Yeah, I mean, we, we're seeing a lot of researchers. Uh, we're seeing, especially this year because of the theme, we're looking at a lot of people who represent urban planning or who work at kind of a municipality and community level mm. in their respective fields. Um, architects, urban planners, uh, people who are really working around city building. In a yeah, different yeah. I'm excited to get them there because they're really the kind of the 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 sub audience for this year, according to the theme. Yeah, lots of people who work on environmental change and uh, sustainability issues. Yeah, great. And I know you guys sell out extremely fast, but are there any other options for those that um, are interested in the conference to still engage with the content that is produced there? Yeah, I mean, also don't lose hope if you didn't get a ticket. Uh, please do get yourself on the waiting list because in the next couple of weeks, I mean, we're going through and uh, we're looking at capacity. We're going to assess uh, 
uh, how and whether we can include more places. We want this to be as big and inclusive as possible. But uh, if you're on that waiting list, you'll mm. usually get an email from someone who asks you, like, are you still interested? And then you have to be pretty quick on your feet. If you don't make it, uh, we will be videoing all the content and featuring it uh, on the website. It'll be hosted by YouTube, so you can you can watch the talks. You won't be able to go to the workshops or anything like that, but you can at least yeah. For the lucky ones that have a ticket, but they're still looking for um, accommodations, any mm. any any tips? Yeah, we have a deal with uh, Comfort Express, so you'll be able to get a discount if you go through them. All the information is on the website. Uh, failing that, coming your way very soon is going to be some recommendations for, um, I mean, quite general recommendations for the places that you can stay, maybe uh, depending on your budget, something a little bit more suitable, uh, something maybe a little bit more exotic if you're thinking of going to Norway and having a, a cabin stay also, that's... Uh, That's a possibility. You know, it's quite exotic, this place. Okay. Nice. And and for those, let's say, that, that can't make it for the whole program because it's uh, three days, right? No, two days and a half, I think. Yeah, it's two days and a half. But actually, the third day, you're going to want to come to that. That's yeah. not just getting tours. Yeah, that's that's the easy one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, 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 third, the, the third date for sure. Okay, and, and just kind of like to wrap it up, uh, what what's... Tell me a little bit more about how to, what are your thoughts around um, the future, around maybe expanding the conference, maybe doing it somewhere else. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Well, it, it's a really exciting time uh, for the conference and the network. I mean, it, it's incredibly labor intensive. I can't, I can't even begin to tell you mm -hmm. uh, how, you know, really it, it takes a village. Yeah. Uh, do this and it takes a village working for free and alongside their full-time job so really like uh if you see any of these like really tired looking uh, anthropologists walking around it's somebody <laughs> involved with the event do give them a pat on the shoulder um buy them a cup of coffee or something um but we're we're really deciding you know where, where do we take this how, how do we do this in a in a way that's fair for participants for mm. organizers Um, to continue to deliver this quality content, which we're really, really focused on. We're quite tough on what goes into the program. Mm. So we're, we're at a bit of a segue now where those discussions are around um, kind of how, how do we organize the funding to do this for every year as it comes? Um, you know, how, how do we involve people in deciding the theme, maybe open up the possible locations? Uh, it's it's all a little bit open for discussion. So if you're interested in taking part in that discussion, you should definitely come to the third day uh, mm. network meeting. That's I mean we're quite transparent about it. It will be opened up and we'll we'll be happily to kind of we'll happily throw it open to uh, for inputs uh, and if you have any ideas. And if you if you're listening from somewhere and you think oh I really want this conference to come where I am. Then equally, you know, drop us a line. Um, it's uh, the worst thing we'll do is say, you know, hmm, okay, uh, let's think about this. Uh, so, don't uh, don't hesitate to contact us. Yeah. Okay. And and just uh, ending it up. Any any final thoughts you have for those of our listeners that are coming? Something that maybe they need to, or not they need to, but it would be nice for them to reflect on or think about or just anything that you'd like to share. Um. First, first of all, practically, uh, you're coming at the end of October to Norway to Oslo. So I would advise you to wear some wool undergarments. Um, 
we, we, everywhere you're going to be is going to be pretty warm, but you know, you're going to have to walk places. And I mean, I grew up in London, so it took me a while to realize that, oh, wool is uh, really smart. So like a very thin wool vest underneath whatever you decide to wear. Um, please wear sensible shoes in case it's snowing. That aside, okay, now moving on to the kind of, <laughs> uh, more kind of reflections uh, aspect of it. I'd say come come to this event really with your critical critical mind very open. Um, mm. Remember that we're not throwing this event to have um, to high five each other and just to kind of like really have rainbows and butterflies around the situation. We depend on you uh, mm. to challenge, to critique, to really reflect deeply on things. Step outside of your comfort zones. Don't come expecting this to be an anthropology uh, party it's not you're going to be challenged also as an anthropologist and you should be prepared to be challenged by people in the industry uh, as, as I was saying earlier you know everybody will be stepping a little bit out of their comfort zone so be prepared for that too and look at how that could make you better in your practice in your writing uh, in your in your work and how you can you know bring momentum to the ideas that are pre presented there no oh, beautiful Well, thank you, Pardis. Uh, and I'm looking forward myself also to meeting you face to face at the conference. Likewise. <laughs> Bye. Don't forget the wall. No. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening, everyone. Follow us on our social media channels and look at the show notes for links to our speakers' work. Join us next time for more interesting conversations.